0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Conservative, not bitter. Indeed, it is a pleasure to be here today. Email thoughts, questions, feedback, adoration, and praise. Always accept at that email address, todd at toddhuffshow.com. And, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow actually marks our seven year anniversary so folks there are seven years of podcasts that you could go back through the archives and you could listen to (laughs) seven seven years to tomorrow marks the seventh uh, seventh year anniversary in fact we started i'm not going to talk about this much today we might tomorrow but we started podcasting first august 10th 2015 again that's seven years from tomorrow and i know some of you have been with us literally since uh, since the very beginning or since the very early days and i am i'm just grateful so we'll talk about that maybe a little bit tomorrow but it's good to be here today lots of things as usual marking or i should say vying for our attention i've steered clear i've steered clear of talking about the abortion law that passed in the state of Indiana, my home state, um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, this program is dedicated to national issues, which typically means we're dealing with things happening in Washington, D.C., whether it's from the Biden administration, whether it's from Congress, whether it's from the Supreme Court, whether it's from the deep state, the bureaucratic state, the swamp. Um, Senate House, wherever. Those are the things that we focus on, the national narrative. And there's reasons for this. There's reasons for this. One of the things is I never want to be misunderstood in communicating that because I'm not talking about state issues happening at the state level, that that doesn't matter, or the local level. The problem is that I cannot possibly talk. If anyone could do it, it'd probably be me. Right, Oz? Oz, Oz agreed with that. I thought she would shoot some daggers my way. She jokingly agreed. But if, you can't talk about 50, well, the 57 states, I guess Obama went to 57. So you can't talk about the 57 states. I'm kidding, take it easy. Leftists or liberal tuned in today. Everybody misspeaks. But, the you know, you can't talk about that. You can't talk about the countless, well, I shouldn't say countless. I can't, I don't have the number, but the number of, communities and counties, cities around the country. You can't go through it like that. We do, from time to time, talk about them as it pertains to a larger issue. And so I am going to bring up my state today because it matters on a larger scale. Again, we have listeners, a lot of listeners here in Indiana, tuning in on 95.9 FM, 950 AM, Freedom 95 a lot of listeners listening on podcasts around Indiana or around the country or even around the world, and Red State Radio listeners as well. Those folks, some are here in Indiana. Many are in other states around the country, uh, and, again, places around the world as well. But what we want to – again, we'll talk about Indiana today because it fits into the bigger, the bigger narrative here, and that is post – well, the result of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v.ersus Wade, that means that states, and folks, as I said in previous discussions, this is precisely what needed to happen. States needed to decide what... Well, I suppose the federal government could if there is federal legislation. Federal, the federal government could try to pass a national abortion law, whatever that is. The federal government certainly could take that position. It just hasn't. And it wasn't in the Constitution. And so the only other place for this to end up is at the state level. And I think that this is precisely what needs to happen. Again, I suppose if there's enough federal or national support for one particular you know, a certain type of abortion law. Um, it would not be inappropriate. I would, I'm hesitant because, you know, um, that this has ramifications at lots of levels, but they didn't do it. Is the point, right? That this, they didn't do it. They didn't pass legislation federally protecting, codifying Roe versus Wade. They did not do that. Roe versus Wade was the law, well, I'm not going to say that. It was decided by the Supreme Court. How about this? It was the created law of the land by the Supreme Court in 1973. And since 1973, so 49 years, folks, nearly a half a century, the left, the Democrat Party, had many opportunities to to pass what could amount to a federal trigger law that would do the same thing that the some of these laws across the country... Um, That were trigger laws, you know. Should Roe be overturned, they had laws that were prepared to be implemented around the country. Now, Indiana is the first state to actually vote on a new law in the wake of the decision the Supreme Court made to to overturn Roe versus Wade. And so that's I want to talk about that that today. But it's important to note that there was no federal legislation passed. They could have done this, should they? Well, I'm not saying that they could have done it as far as getting the votes. I'm saying the opportunity has been made available to them for 50 years, for 50, 49 years, 49 years, almost as long as Joe Biden has been in Washington, D.C., right? So they've had a long, long time to, to do this, and they didn't. They didn't. So where else is it supposed to go? Folks, there's nowhere else for it to go. This is pre- exactly, precisely what should happen. The law, well, this issue goes back to the political world, and if the federal government didn't address it, again, I'm not a big person that thinks there should be a lot of federal laws. I like the idea of states having, uh, you know, the, the freedom. This is federalism, right? And, and there's nothing. I I like this. This is the laboratories of the states. Um, Again, I don't feel as, typically I would use that term because it, it, I think, is appropriate. In the issue of abortion, I don't like to talk about it that way because I think that it is, I think, well, it is demonstrably, scientifically, logically, the taking of human life. That's what it is. And again, I always say this, if you've tuned in and you've had an abortion, if you've been involved with that, if you've been pro-choice, if you've, Hated pro-lifers or anything like that. Even if you still do, I'm not. I'm not here. I mean, I'm not going to change my opinion because you disagree with that. I'm just saying that I'm not here to, to heap insult or hurt upon you. If you've made decisions like that in the past, there is a God in heaven who's able and ready to forgive and to help you with the healing and restoration pro- uh, process. This is about what we do from this moment forward. And I think it's critically important that human life be respected at all levels of development. So the Indiana state house has passed and the governor, Eric Holcomb, which I look for those of you that listen, (laughs) you know that I'm not, I'm not an Eric Holcomb fan. In fact, you don't hear me. uh, I try not to get too much into particular politicians. I mean, sometimes I have to by nature, what we do, but I don't like, I don't take any joy in saying this, but I'm not a big Eric Holcomb fan but he needs to be commended for what he did here. He signed this legislation into law and he I it's it's the will of the of of Hoosiers, that's what we call us folks in Indiana, through their elected representatives. And if folks don't like the law, they can hold their senators, congress people accountable. Right, Holcomb's not going to be on the ballot, but they can they they can vote. They can make decisions based upon that if they so if they so choose. So there's a lot of facets of this that I want to get to today. But the first thing I want to do is basically talk about the law itself. The law itself is largely uh, designed to prevent. Abortions. It bans abortions in most in many cases, most cases. So it bans, I'm looking here at a Fox News article. Um, there's other places that we could look, but th- this synopsis is pretty ac- I mean is accurate, I would say it's, it's fairly um, well stated, but the law bans the procedure and except in cases of rape, incest and to protect the life and physical health of the mother the rape and incest exceptions only apply in the first 10 weeks post fertilization victims would be required to sign a notarized affidavit attesting to an attack which had previously been proposed again i'm looking at a an article at foxnews.com abortions would also be allowed if a fetus is diagnosed with a potentially deadly condition. Now, I know that there are some who think that the exceptions do aren't, uh, are maybe too many. I know some who think the uh, the exceptions don't cover enough or give long enough periods of time. And I know that there's strong feelings and emotions about all of these things um, on a myriad. Well, you can imagine. I mean, there's a lot of... We've talked about this. I know that this is one of the most emotionally charged discussions, and understandably so. I mean, one side, my side, would say, unequivocally, it's it's an unborn human life. It is a... It, we're talking about a child, um, someone who's genetically unique, someone who's beginning, who has begun the process of growing and developing... We absolutely recognize, recognize that this individual is in the earliest stages of human development, but to say this person is not in human development is far from the truth. Sciences discovered that during conception, the moment when egg and sperm cell meet, there's an explosion of light, and that light um, along with that, that that burst of light along with the process of cellular replication and so forth begins and very quickly organs form heart's beat or the heart begins to beat and so forth so that's the beginning of of human life that's that's my side and so to say to say that we're going to allow for opportun- uh, for circumstances or excuse circumstances for that individual to be their life to be terminated is very uh, troubling because the taking of human life we would maintain strongly, by the way. I'm just trying to explain. I'm not—don't misunderstand my approach here by not thinking I don't feel this strongly. I'm just trying to explain it as factually as I can. We would say that that is—that that that is— the intentional taking of human life, which is murder, you can certainly say that, you'll make other arguments, but to say that this being is not human, not another life, not genetically unique, those things are factually, scientifically false. They're false. They're no, There is no that you, you have to do something with those realities. You can, again, say that this individual is not sentient or cognizant or something like that, but to say that this person is not a person is not incorrect. To say that this person is not fully developed is absolutely correct. But then we have to determine at what point of development is, I mean, where do we draw the line? Is this not a dangerous and slippery slope? And there becomes all those arguments. You know, I kind of chuckle. Well, some people think that it's only if you're religious, you know, that that's your only objection because you're religious or because the Bible teaches certain things or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that that isn't true, but this is just a logical position for someone who believes in protecting the life of someone who is the most vulnerable. So that's how one side feels. The other side says, wait a minute, I'm going to try to be as fair as I can here. This is, I fully reject these things. I just want to be clear. But the other side says, look, um, this is something I didn't intend to happen. I'm not ready uh, to have a child, or um, you know, in extreme cases, and that's why these these exceptions are put in this bill. Um, I, this is the result of rape or incest, which is terrible. Are you going to make me um, have a baby again? Please misunderstand. Don't misunderstand. This is not my position. I'm just trying to state it. And these this is what the political discourse is about. So one side saying, "Look, you're going to," I don't like the terminology, but they'll say, "Punish me." Um, by forcing me to have a child. And I certainly, every person understands that if someone is, you know, there's something that's wicked, a, a, you know, someone that was raped or something like that, that's absolutely atrocious and horrible, right? I mean, there's no denying that. Um, and I think most reasonable people try to make sense of what is the best. I mean, it's a, that's, a terrible circumstance for some young lady or any age woman to be put through. And so we can certainly empathize by, by also understanding and saying that we want to protect human life. And so anyway, there's this whole, this is the bill that's been introduced and, and voted upon and passed and signed by the governor. And as a result of this, there's some things that have happened. Well, first of all, there's some federal Attention! The White House doesn't like it. Shockingly, um, and even some business leaders in the community don't like it. In fact, we're going to talk about that. One of Indiana's most well-established, long-standing, one of the largest employers here um, is now saying it's being forced. That's right, to forced. It's being forced to grow its job force outside of the Hoosier state. and I'll talk about that after the break. There's a little bit of, well, there's a lot going on here, but I just want to go through this and share with, with you this issue because Indiana is leading the way here. This is, again, the first time that there has been legislation passed um, in the wake of the, Roe, the, the the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe where a state says, with a new law, this is what we have decided our state is going to do. Boom, here's the legislation. The governor, who again I applaud, I am many times very critical of, but I do applaud Governor Holcomb. I do applaud you for this. You, you've done you've done the right thing here. So I I applaud that. Anyhow, all that being said, I want to talk about just kind of the ramifications of this and some of the things that are uh, being said. And this this matters because this could happen in your state, your um, wherever you are around the fruited plain, and. Um, this is precisely the correct path on how to move forward. Now, it doesn't mean that there will not be stipulations and some posturing and some maybe a little bit of virtue signaling as well uh, from some big corporations, which I'm going to talk about next segment. Long in this one, though, by the way, quick timeout. Come back and pick up this conversation. When we get back, you're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So I mentioned before the break that Indianapolis, um, home to a company called Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly, which is right downtown. Um, in fact, you can see it traveling on I-70 either direction, through Indianapolis. Well, assuming you can take I-70 through Indianapolis, which that's another story altogether. Anyway, so Eli Lilly has come out and said, Look, we cannot. We, we, you, we've been forced. <laughs> They've been forced because of Indiana's law on abortion, which to me should seem like a pretty reasonable position. Um, again... I'm pro-life and I uh I don't like the idea of any any abortion but I also think that they're I mean look I I just think that it's something that people who don't see abortion as strictly another form of birth control um if if for those who believe in that abortion should be you know should exist so that people can, you know, do whatever they want and not worry about the consequences until later and then terminate a life, if, as long as that doesn't include a person, then I think this is at least something people should it, be able to understand, be able to say, you know what, I can understand that, whether it, I think it went too far here or not far enough there, whatever, I, just, I feel like this is something that most people should at least be able to understand. Lily, however, doesn't see it this way. Uh well at least at least they want to make it appear that they're not that they don't see it this way. I don't know. Some of you listening to my voice undoubtedly work at Lily or you're a contractor there. This is not this isn't personal. I just think that this is silly. Anyway, Lily comes out and says with the following statement. They released this over the weekend. Lilly recognizes that abortion is a divisive and deeply personal issue with no clear consensus among the citizens of Indiana. Despite this lack of agreement, Indiana has opted to quickly adopt one of the most restrictive anti-abortion laws in the United States. So pause. Number one. Number one, they recognize that it is abortion is divisive and deeply personal. Now, they didn't have a problem that the political process cut everybody out of this in 1973. I mean, I wasn't around in 1973, but I'm not aware of Lily, Eli Lilly, being upset that an issue that was divisive and deeply personal was not decided at the ballot box. I don't remember that, and I probably don't remember that because it never happened. Um, the other thing is, for, some, <laughs> for a company... Look at how they want you to think, you know, look, we're just we're trying to be in the middle here, but look at what they call it restrictive anti-abortion law. So I just I you can't have it both ways here. To say that this is divisive and to act like you're trying to navigate this with your first sentence um to not you know to not upset anybody, it seems to me you don't care about the pro life. Folks in your company, which there will be many, by the way. Anyway, this thing continues. uh, We are concerned that this law will hinder Lily's and Indiana's ability to attract diverse scientific, engineering, and business talent from around the world. Part of me says, um, I'm not sure if someone who's scientific doesn't know when life begins, I'm not sure how committed they are to science, just for the record. Just for the record. While we, the statement continues, have expanded our employee health plan to uh, coverage to include travel for reproductive services uh, unavailable locally, that may not be enough for some current and potential employees. So in other words, they've they're one of these woke companies that says, hey, we are going to, in the wake of Roe versus Wade, panic has ensued. People are, I mean, I've heard some stories I won't get into, some concerns and fears, um, we're going to make sure that if you need an abortion, we are going to pay for you, we're going to get you to a place where abortion rights, and this is how it will be phrased, abortion rights and healthcare rights are respected, where women are considered full-class citizens. Again, this is how it will be presented. We're going to take care of that for you, and everything's going to be fine, except that's still not enough for some of our current and potential employees. So we have people who are even too woke for that to matter. I guess I guess they don't want to move to a state that is, I guess there needs to be, I, I don't know, more states. Maybe What if there's only one state nearby that's going to protect so-called abortion rights like Illinois or whatever? Maybe that's not enough pro-abortion states around, and it just makes people turned off. Who knows what Lily's thinking here. Um but they continue. This is the part I wanted to get to. As a global company headquartered in Indianapolis for more than 145 years, we work hard to retain and attract thousands of people who are important drivers of our state's economy. Given this new law, Eli Lilly says, given this new law, we will be forced. Forced, my friends. They are forced. Eli Lilly is forced to not have a choice here, just as they claim... Um. You know, people are engaging in legitimate birth control, um, don't have a choice to terminate the life of an unborn child, unborn human being. Uh, they, Lily's now saying they don't have a choice. They are being forced to plan for more employment growth outside our home state. So in other words, they're going to grow. They haven't threatened directly here to move. Maybe they will, who knows um, but they've said, look, we can't even. It's so bad. We're going to keep our headquarters there. Probably like some of the tax abatements and all that. But they can't. They got to at least posture up here um, for the woke staff or the uh, maybe some of the woke potential staff and so forth. I don't know. And then I saw some some uh, responses to this. Um, in fact, I'm looking at one here by Kate Smith. Um, this is on Twitter. And she basically says after the passage of Indiana's total abortion ban, it's not what it—that's just factually incorrect. It is not a total abortion ban. I just read you—it's just Kate. Come on, Eli. You can say it's stringent. You can say there's a lot more restrictions and so forth. But to call it a total abortion ban, I don't think you know what words mean. I or or you're being intentionally deceptive. Those are the two options, and I'm—I'm not sure. (laughs) It's a toss-up, I guess. She continues, Eli Lilly, one of the state's biggest employers, says they'll be planning their growth outside the state because, duh, she writes, how are you going to recruit women, a.k.a. half the population, to a state that outlaws their health care? Oh, my goodness. That's the tweet. I'm not going to get That's ridiculous. As though women are 100% pro-choice, some of the most staunch pro-life people I know are women. This is this again. This is just how they attack this. I'm happy to talk about these issues. I laid out both sides. This is how she lays out both sides. She says Indiana's passed a total abortion ban. Factually false, 100% factually false. And she doesn't think you can recruit women because apparently all women are pro-choice. And she also says that it's a Indiana is now a state that outlaws health care for women which, again, is preposterous. But this is how they play the game, and this is why um, this never should have been decided by eight white men, eight old white men in white robes, or excuse me, in black robes, back in 1973. You don't hear them talking about that, but that's what happened in 1973. So timeout is in order, my friends. I'm going to shift gears. I've got another soundbite from Al Sharpton I want to get to, but the other thing I want to make sure I get to today is, is this FBI raid at uh, Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's home. And I I just, I want to get to that as well. But timeout is in order. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. I decided to call an audible during the break there. Oz didn't weigh in. She just kind of listened to me. But anyway. I want to mention, I can't play the soundbite. It's in our stack of stuff if you want to see it and see the clip yourself. But I just, since we were talking about this abortion uh, law in Indiana, um, Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton on MSNBC as a guest, was talking about this and was, in particular, he was fielding, I can't play the soundbite, I just don't have time, but he was fielding questions about, Black American support for abortion, how it's grown over the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. And he was, well, responding to this. And again, I laid out earlier why I'm pro life. I don't even think it, certainly, certainly the Bible. Uh, and biblical principles are pro-life. God is pro life. So but that's it's not uh the only way that you can come to that conclusion. I mean, if you believe in protecting human life, that I mean, there you go. I mean, there's that's all that's required. Science is proven, my friend, just as scientists have proven. Ninety-eight percent agree. That's even one more percent than agree that man is contributing to climate change. But ninety-eight percent agree that listening to this program can stop and even reverse the damaging effects of of liberalism. So science has agreed life begins at conception. That's actually a hundred percent of anyone actually science doesn't need a consensus. I just say those things to to illustrate the absurdity of this stuff. But Sharpton's on here and he says, he says that the Bible is um pro choice i'm i'm parap- i'm trying to paraphrase this and be fair to to sharpton here um he says the bible if you're using this as a religious argument which we're not by the way the bible is about choice he says you can go to heaven or hell there's nowhere in the bible that says you had to go to heaven um so this is silliness now of course, the Bible is about choice. God wants us. What what makes us unique and uniquely human, well, we're made in his image, and we have the ability to choose. We have the ability to choose to accept him, to reject him. I mean, that's we have choice, right? We have lots of choices in our lives. Deciding to have an abortion isn't like the choice of which, where you go to dinner, my friends. Surely the heaven. We're not saying that here and just because god values values choice um the choices that we have also have consequences god is a moral and um well loving god with standards and there's there's the moral law the moral code this when our choice goes outside of ourselves our preferences to say i'm going to physically harm someone else how how do we think what passage is sharpton referencing here that the bible says anything remotely close to that i mean the bible says consider others better than yourselves it doesn't say hey if you don't want a consequence of an action that you've taken, which is the case. I understand that there's extreme cases that that's not the case, but that is a fraction, a fraction of a percentage. So now it doesn't matter what another thinks. And then there's people that quote some uh, chapter, I don't know, Numbers chapter five, I think maybe chapter twelve, and says that say that God is actually giving instructions on abortion. This stuff, this stuff is complete nonsense and gibberish, is what it is and for sharpton to say that the bible is pro choice in the sense of abortion is is absurd it is absolutely absurd the choices that we have are the choices that we make that you know that we that, that are not directly impacting someone else's life show me a choice that we can make that God says, hey, it doesn't matter to me, whatever you think's fine, you know, like picking a favorite ice cream or picking a favorite baseball team. Show me a choice that impacts another human being to the point of taking his or her life, no matter at what stage, 150 years old or, you know, five seconds old. What what choice does God say it doesn't really matter to me? This is just silliness, and this guy's irreverent. Anyway, timeout's in order. Now we're gonna shift gears talk about what's happening with Trump and the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. We'll do that after the break. Sit tight back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. What's happened at Mar-a-Lago, which is, of course, President Trump's home in Florida, which there's a story to how Trump... You've not read... What is it? The Art of the Deal. He tells the story of how he... Uh, basically, was able to purchase Mar-a-Lago, and it's an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting story. I won't get into that at the moment, but so what is happening there should concern every every American. So Trump statement uh, last night says, well, just announced that the FBI FBI has raided his beautiful home. In fact, he says these are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. He continues by saying, after working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate now here's where this gets we should and i, and I look we're fair about I, i've been fair to hunter biden hunter biden should not be targeted because he's the you know the son of president joe biden obviously the trump uh you know donald jr eric ivanka baron melania none of those folks should be targeted by government because they're related to trump We certainly don't want a society, a culture, a government that that elects people that then has free reign to go after their political opponents. These are terrible things. These are banana republic types of things. Conversely, we just went through this a week or so ago. I remember talking about this. Conversely, if there is evidence, let's say that the former vice president of the United States is talking in front of TV cameras and is on record as saying, um, if you don't fire this prosecutor in Ukraine, then we're going to take money back. And then you find out that the prosecutor that he's saying we want you to get rid of was actually investigating the company where his son was serving on a board of directors, completely unqualified, by the way. I'm thinking I... Something I wanted to insert there. I'm not. I'm not. It would be less than appropriate for me to say what just crossed my mind. But the point here is that we should seek justice and you have to follow where justice really leads. And so even if that means someone who was formerly in or currently in political power, um, if evidence legitimately leads us there, we have to be able to pursue that. But the opposite is true. Look, I haven't inserted any names. I mean, I, I did as examples. But the opposite is true as well. We should not simply target, we should not stomach someone targeting a political adversary because they have the means and power to do so once elected and put into, into office. I think, first of all, obviously I have, <laughs> I have a strong belief that this is an extension of that. I mean, we watched this president, former president Trump, um, get impeached twice. Um, you know, we had Russian collusion, the delusion that the media and the left had all those, all those years to undermine and to stop his presidency. So we had all this stuff. This is nothing new. This is the strategy and the technique for dealing with Trump. Now they've raided Mar-a-Lago. Now there'll be some information, hopefully, that comes comes out of this as we begin to learn more about specifics here. But can we not all agree? Of course I know the left, even if the left says yes, they're going to say well this man is is Hitler, so of course he's guilty of something. But surely we can all agree. Outside of the godless radical left, surely we can all agree that this sort of thing should not be should not be what happens to someone who's formerly uh, previously in power because he's suddenly put out of power. This cannot be the way that this this happens. And by the way, when people complain, like me, of all these additional IRS agents, this is what our problem is. If they target Trump, they can target you, my friends. And this, this is unacceptable and should get the attention of every single American. Quick time out. Back in just a minute. <laughs> Welcome back, my friends. Just as I was telling Oz during the break here. Well, first of all, what we're dealing with, as it pertains to again, what's happening to President Trump. This this should concern, this should concern all all Americans because they are terrified. They are terrified of this guy, and they will do anything they can to stop him from running in twenty twenty four. There's just no doubt about it. So we'll keep an eye on this this sort of behavior. It's exactly what Trump is right. We have to drain the swamp, eradicate the deep state. I also told Oz during the break, we are, I saw some news about monkeypox. So I, I am instituting a ban. We're not going to talk about monkeypox on this program. I'm just going to announce that here at the end of this program because I've seen some news about it. But anyway, I've got to go. Have a great day. SDG. Cinema, Take care.